drunk with wine, wearing his excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Oh, I am. I'm 
to today's session we are going to be looking at the law of mental transformation today is going to be quite revealing because i'm going to be revealing some deep things about the mind and how it is possible to institutionalize slavery and how that you know we get into certain behavioral patterns that sabotage our our life and our destiny so it's, it's going to be a very powerful session and um i want to use style to give some other people like two minutes man huh. all right we're going to have a nice time today so welcome so let me use, let me use that waiting opportunity to do a recap we've been looking at spiritual growth you know this month um this quarter yeah and so part of what we you know have been looking at okay we divided um spiritual growth into four spiritual progress although not exhaustive most of what we are learning in conquering degrees this year are just you know foundational stuff and you know we'll go deeper as we grow in the community we'll go deeper and deeper so um we're looking we looked at um spiritual progress we're looking at spiritual progress mental transformation growing wealth and physical health i just just lumped everything up in spiritual growth and the reason why we did that is because spiritual growth should affect every area of your life. Spiritual growth should affect every area of your life. Please let me know if this is clear. Yeah, spiritual growth should affect every area of your life, right? So that means that if you grow spiritually, it has implications mentally, it has implications emotionally. It has implications physically, it has implications financially, it has implications in different areas of your life, it has implications in your relationship, right? So please, someone should let me know if this is clear, okay? All right, so, oof. And another thing that I've, I want to say here is that, see, I have never seen anyone who is serious with their life without a strategy for learning. I'm one person who believes in learning so much because learning has changed my life. Learning has changed my life. When I was nine years old, I had, you know, an encounter. I had an encounter. All right, thank you, it's clear. I had an encounter that made me... Two things happened that day. I made a vow and I prayed a prayer, right? And, you know, in looking at my life uh, 22 years later, one thing... I've realized 24 years later is one thing I've realized is that part of the systems that God used or is still using to answer that prayer I prayed is learning. Learning. If you must improve your life, you must be committed to learning. I'm so committed to learning that I can spend hundreds of thousands just buying books. 
In fact, that, that those days in the university, I used to go broke buying books. And there was something that I, I noticed. You know, I, when, you know, when you are doing something, you assume every other person is doing it. So because I was just devouring knowledge, I was just buying books, I was assuming that everybody was doing the same. So when I read something and maybe I come you know, in the midst of my friends and I want to discuss those things with them, and I realize that they don't even know, I get shocked. Like, oh, I thought, I thought everybody's reading like I am. So I made a decision. I was like, okay, since people are not reading, I'm going to read, I'm going to acquire knowledge, practice, and then teach people. And one day they will pay me for doing it, right? And the truth is, today people pay me for teaching. Although in this community, it's free. Because, and it's free for a reason. Some of the things, see, some of the things that we teach you in this community, they, they are worth hundreds of thousands, I'm telling you. And, you know, I was, you know, last year I was teaching part of my protégés. I told them that, see, that some of the things that I'm teaching you today, one day you will attend the conference. You will pay hundreds of thousands to attend that conference. And when they are done teaching you, you realize these are the things that I taught you many years ago. Right? Especially when you hit the heart of truth, you will realize that, see, truth, you can't improve upon truth. Once you encounter truth, it is relevant throughout you know, different generations. You know, and a time is coming when my mentorship, my, mentorship, my mentorship classes will not be free. So if you are in this community and you're committed to learning, blessed are you. Now, I'm telling you, I'm being honest with you. Some of the things you are learning here, you will go to many places. You will still hear the same thing because truth is the same across board. And you might enter that conference and you have to pay through your nose to attend those conferences. But you see, that's part of human nature. When you make things free, people don't take it seriously. But, you know, the fact that we are making this free is for a reason, right? At the end of the year, we are going to select a few people who is going to, you know, be part of the larger community. It's not everybody that is going to be part of it. It is those who have been consistent from January 2nd, right, when we started this particular, you know, community. So we've been watching and you would see at the end of the day how how much that your life has improved, you know, by being part of this learning community and all that. And, you know, having to also learn from each other is a very powerful thing. So one of the things that I want to advise is make learning part of your, you know, your culture. And apart from gaining knowledge, there's something learning does for you, especially when you read broad and read deep. It's put, it restructures your mind in such a way that you can see the world clearly and you can understand things better. For example, knowledge opens your mind to understand more knowledge, right? Okay, so when I started reading, when I was young, I started by reading a lot of complex stuff. So I didn't really understand what I was reading, but I was reading. And I realized that as I was reading those things, most of them I didn't understand, my mind was expanding. My vocabulary was expanding. You know, the ability of my mind to connect concepts was expanding. And now it's very easy for me to take a complex concept and break it down into something simple and give you something to, you know, work with and all that. Right? So that's what learning does for you. Learning improves your mind. Right? It's not every knowledge session or any reading session that would give you points to take out but reading in itself does something to your mind right it sharpens your mind and it helps you you know spot patterns very quickly right so learning has really helped me and i encourage you make learning a habit in fact someone like me i can sit down for seven hours listening to a teaching and i'm not tired and that is a capacity that i built over time and if you are going to really go deep in life you know you must develop capacity for learning Right. So I encourage you guys, see, love learning, love learning, you know, do all you can to make learning your priority. 
make learning your priority learning has changed my life and it's still changing my life right so we're going to be looking at something very powerful today please stay we have a, a lot to cover i'm going to show you some things that might scare you but of course there's always hope right <laughs> all right so we're looking at um the law of mental transformation still under you know spiritual growth you know um let me say this no matter how mighty you are in your spirit if your mind is not renewed or transformed to a point where it can agree with your spirit you would be a giant spiritually and your life will have you know you will not see the expressions of those things in your you know day-to-day living right you won't be able to develop power or uh, have power or influence over certain areas of your life you know you'll just be a victim of circumstance you know because you're you're strong in the spirit and in your mind you are you're poor or you're weak because okay let me not let me not jump the gun right we'll get to that so you see life is in degrees life is in degrees i'm sure you might you might have heard this you know in different ways you know life is in stages men are in sizes right and that is true life is in degrees and you know men are classified and when i say men i'm talking about men um man and male and female generic so when i use men you know I, i'm i mean generic if i want to refer to a man i'll, I'll say male man right so but men are classified by the degrees they conquered and gained mastery of Life is in degrees and men are classified based on the degrees they have conquered and that they have gained mastery of. What that means is that life rewards mastery. Life rewards specialization. Life rewards expertise. And it is the secret of wealth. If you want to be wealthy or if you want to get into uh, you know, the path of building wealth, one of the things you must consider is gaining mastery in one particular area or being a specialist or an expert in a particular area right that is one of the ways to build serious work right so life rewards mastery life rewards specialization life rewards expertise it is it is the secret to it right and that is why you know we have a community like this and if you've noticed we, we are we're we are on a journey we started with the bonsai factor series you know we, we dealt with limiting beliefs right and we had five different topics See, the kind of content we've pushed out in this platform is very deep and quality, right? Even in the next 5-10 years, those information will be as relevant as it is today. It's just that as you go, you know, you begin to gain, you know, higher levels of understanding and, you know, more application, right? We had five series on the Monster Factor series, and then we looked at building relationship series. We did the building enterprises series, and then we did conquering fear, of which I just took one. I think I just took one session with a different set of people unapologetically bold and now we are looking at spiritual growth and then we are going to also add mastery series from next year so you see that we are, we are building we are building and we are trying to cover different levels of learning different they are touching different areas of our lives right so that is why you know um growth circle which is the parent you know community the parent body of conquering degrees is an integrated learning community where from end to end, you learn things that pertain to your life that would add value to your life in different areas. So that as you're growing in this area of your life, you're growing in this other area of your life. Just a few days ago, God gave me an assignment and it relates it relates mainly to matters of marriage. Trust me, when we start that campaign, 
your life will not remain the same. I'm telling you. Right? So, it's, it's an integrated learning community and we are covering the total man. So that once you are part of this community, every area of your life is being touched. So, we are preparing even for something bigger and greater. Right? So, that's why, you know, being part of this community is going to be beneficial to you on the long run. And apart from that, the fact that we are building, you know, family relationships that we are keen, you know, for the rest of our life. Imagine doing life with like-minded people and, you know, you know, you have people in this community who, who has got your back, you know, whose lives are an encouragement to yours. Right? So, that, that's, be- that's a beautiful thing to do. So, so stay put. Let's, let's travel. Let's travel. So, under this law of mental transformation, today, this part one, we'll do a part two next week. This part one, I'm, I'm going to try and introduce the concept and then touch certain areas, you know, we're going to look at the role of the mind in the scheme of things, the burden of responsibility, the necessity of knowledge, you know, why and what is mental transformation, and then how to transform your mind, part one. Then the next, next week, we're going to look at how to transform your mind, part two. And next week, I'm going to teach something very special, understanding your subconscious. I'm going to break it down for you in a way that is easy for you to understand. And you will now see the reason why, when I'm done teaching you, you now understand the reason why when after maybe you do you did something bad and you just finished crying about it, oh, I'm so sorry, you went ahead and did it the next day. I will show you why that happens, right? And how to, you know, move past it, right? So these are technologies, you know, that God has, you know, given us. And if we understand them, then we can apply it to our own benefit. So stay tuned. Don't miss or don't also miss next, next week, right? So we'll start by looking at you know a few things and then I'll I'll show you the role of the mind, why the mind is so important. Why the mind is so important. There is something CT Jones said. CT Jones said something. He said, You will be the same person in five years as you are today, except for the people you meet and the books you read. What he was trying to say is that people don't change until something changes in their life. That means that one of the things that if you if you don't read new books, if you don't meet new people who will expand your mind, you might remain the same per- person. And the reason is because remember, if you attended the first session we had entropy and the law of action, we established that there is a law known as entropy which is responsible for the downward decline or the deterioration of things including your mind. Right? So if you live your life the way it is, it will get worse. So that means that if you, if you read a book in January and you've not read a book in, in this August, you are worse than you started because information, knowledge increases at a very fast rate and the, the decline happens at a very fast rate. So you need to have a learning system in order to balance out the entropy. Right? So you will remain the same. In fact, if you take a, if you take stock of your life in certain areas, right, you might realize that you've been the same person, especially in terms of the way you think, the way you behave, your attitudes. Now, part of the place, part of you know why people think that everything is well with them is because they only use some physical things as measures. For example, some other things or some other areas in their lives as a measure for their growth. Right? They use um some other areas in their life as a measure for their growth. For example, they just use their career. So for them, if their career is fine, then everyone, they don't need to develop their minds. So you see that people just focus, they, they look at, okay, my career is fine, my finances is fine, that's all. But they don't forget that there are other areas of your life that are important. For example, your mental health, your mind. Right? So if you live yourself the way you are, you will be the same person for the rest of your life. You will become a rigid 
old person and you see what makes you old is not that you are 50 60 70 what makes you old is that you are no longer of use especially mentally you're not increasing in knowledge so what makes you age is lack of improvement not that you're increasing in age what makes you old rather is not that you're increasing in age is that you are decreasing in improvement what makes you an old person it's not that you are increasing in age. It is that you are, increase, you are decreasing in improvement. That means that you are no longer improving your life. So old and aging is not the same thing. You might be aging in terms of increase of age, but your mind is constantly renewed. That means that, you know, you, you are, you are, you are, you, when it comes to knowledge, you are there. When it comes to understanding trends, you know, and cultural, um, new cultural context and trends, you know, and how you can be, you know, how you can be a contributor in such, you know, uh, cultures that have shifted, then that's what makes you, you know, uh, relevant. So some people, because they don't have a reading culture, in the next five years, they'll be out of date because they won't be able to relate with the, the new cultural context. I mean, things are improving. In fact, we are, talk, we, are, we, are, we are not even done talking about millennials. We are talking about the Gen Zs and we are even talking about the Gen Alphas. Look at the, the social construct within which they live their lives. Very different. In fact, when you are relating with the Gen Z, for example, it's not the same thing as millennials or even the Gen X. Do you understand? Things are changing because knowledge is increasing. A lot of technology is improving. A lot of things are changing. So if you are not up to date, you may not be able to reach the next generation. So, for example, if you're a leader or you're a pastor or maybe you're someone who loves social, societal impact, you must learn to read. Apart from reading books, you must learn to read the times and the seasons so that you can see how you stay relevant across generations. And one of the ways to stay relevant across generations is to search for the truth because the truth will always be relevant. The only difference is that the communication of those truths may be different. Do you understand that? So learning makes us relevant. So if you do not commit to improving your mind, you will be the same person and even worse five years from today. Right. And I want to also say this as we proceed that, you know, it is easier to alter the spirit of a man. It's even easier to alter the body than it is to change the mind. The mind is one of the most difficult things to alter. For example, to alter the spirit. Or you know, for example, let me say, okay, wh what we discuss in the Christian faith, if you are not born again, that means that your spirit is in a particular state. But for you to be born again, all you have to do is believe. And in the, believe the message that is being you know, told you. And once you believe that message, in that instant, your, your human spirit is recreated. That one happens at an instant. To change your body, all you just need to do is just maybe commit to exercise or even do pl plastic surgery. And you change your body. But you see the mind. The mind is the most stubborn side of the human being. The mind. It is the most important and yet the most stubborn side of the human being. Right, the mind easily clings to programmings and conditionings once you successfully condition it. It is the hardest thing to change. It is the hardest thing to change. It is the hardest thing to change. That is why you know some psychologists say that once a child gets to six years, their personality is formed. All that you do is just editing, right? Editing because the mind of a man is the most difficult to change. And if you if you can hack it and know the systems of you know mental transformation then you are in luck i mean you are a very blessed person to know those systems and that's part of what we want to discuss today you know, you know the law of mental transformation and then how we can begin to transform our minds right 
and you see part of the reasons you know for this you know the reasons why the mind seems stubborn very difficult to change is this that you see the mind is like a busy city a busy highway is like a vast city okay, okay. um let, let me use lagos for example maybe new york right very busy city different areas different activities happening at the same time that is how your mind is it is busy there are highways there are buildings there are oceans that is a picture of how how your mind is so for you to be able to alter one side of your mind you require focus so many activities happening at the same time or at once right that's why it requires consistent meditation or to develop consistent meditation skills in order to steal your mind and focus it on one thing because until you achieve that mental focus you may not be able to bring changes right so and that and that is said that focus is part of the skills that you need to bring about mental transformation so the reason why it looks as if your the mind is very stubborn is because the mind is very busy, is very vast, is a vast island. Is in fact there are many things. In fact, there are things happening in your mind right now that you don't know. There are things happening in your mind now that you don't know. That is why we have, for example, skilled therapists or skilled practitioners who can help you focus your mind on a certain area of your life that you, you didn't know activity was going on there. In fact, certain of your actions are sponsored by those subconscious activities going on in your mind. And you don't even know it. So it takes skill. It takes skill over the years in order to understand that, you see, your mind takes time to change. And that if you understand the principle of focus, then you can begin to change your mind one portion at a time or one plot at a time. Because I'm using plot because the mind is like a real estate, it's like land. There are plots. It's a vast land. In fact, it's a whole. In fact, it's a city, a, a, a very vast city. And for you to change your mind, you have to change it one plot at a time, right? Good. So, what is the role of the mind in the scheme of things? Why is the mind so important, you know, to your life? Why is it important to your destiny? Why is it important at all? I mean, we can just live based on our bodies. Or we can just live based on our spirits. I mean, for those, I mean, who are born again, who believe in the spiritual realm and the fact that the spiritual rules are physical, right? So why is the mind important? Now, let me tell you a story. Now, in the beginning, right, this is what happened. Let, let me put it this way. For those of you who have read your Bible, of course, we said the Bible said that, you know, God created man from the dust of the ground and breathed into him. But I want you to picture it this way. God created the spirit of the man. And it is in that his spirit that there were certain high-level functions. That spirit entered into the dust and took up, took up a body. And when that spirit merged with the, 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 the dust, it gave birth to a third component, the soul. The reason is this. The spirit is spiritual. The spirit can relate with the, the realm of the spirit or the unseen realm. The physical body is designed to relate with the physical realm. Right? But you see, the spirit cannot directly influence the body. So there is a communication channel and the soul is like that middleman. So I'd like you to right now take a pen and a paper, draw three circles. Let the circles interlap, right? So draw circle one, then let the, the second circle you draw interlap with circle one and then draw, draw a third circle to interlap with circle two. So draw three circles let's one let them interlap with each other so circle two interlaps with circle one circle three interlaps with circle two 
Now, I want to show you the role of the mind in the scheme of things. Now, your spirit has its faculties. Your body has its faculties. Right? And your soul has its faculties. So, your soul is like the middleman. Your soul is like the middleman. Let me, let me put it like, like this. Your spirit is the manufacturer. Your soul is maybe the wholesaler or the retailer. Or let me use retailer. Your, your, your soul is the retailer. Oh, no, your soul is the wholesale. Your body is the, con- the retailer or the consumer. So you see that the, the soul is the middleman between the, the spirit and the body. That means that for anything to come from the spirit to the body, it must go through the soul. Pay attention. It cannot happen that your body, your spirit will directly contact your body. In It can never happen. The spirit and the body does not see eye to eye. There is a thought compartment that is in between the spirit and the soul, which, which, which communicates from the spirit to the body, right? And from the body to the spirit, right? So you see that that, that communication line is established. Right? So the mind is the middleman between so label circle one spirit, label circle two soul slash mind. But I'm going to use mind for the sake of this conversation. Label circle three body. So you see that the mind is in between the spirit and the body. So your mind is the middleman between the spirit and the body. That means that for your spirit to communicate to your body, it must go through your soul. That is the design. Right? The mind is the authentication center you know that authenticator app you know that you know when when we have this two-factor authentication for the sake of security right let me say you want to log into your your email but you've registered with an authenticator app right so as you want to log in they will tell you to uh, provide the code that was generated by the authentication app so that means without that code you can't log in so in the same way, without the soul, the spirit cannot log into the body or the spirit cannot influence or speak to the body. So you see that the mind is actually very important. The mind, right, is very important. And as we go, you see. Right? So the mind is the authentication center. It determines what passes or what is communicated to the body from the spirit. Oh, I could I could enter a rabbit hole from this, but let me hold it on. Because... The, 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 the unseen realm is its own civilization. There are things in the unseen realm that you... you, you okay. I will get, we'll get there. We'll get there one of these days. Because I want to show you how that... What I, I want to... I, one day I'm going to teach you how thoughts originate. The origin of thoughts. And how that there are certain things that you did in your life at a certain time in your life. You look back and realize that this wasn't me. I was under a certain influence. There is a whole civilization in the unseen realm. Let me put it like this. If you take a, a high-level, if you put your hand under a microscope, a high-resolution you know, high microscope, there is a civilization of microbes you will see on your hand. You will not believe it. It's like a civilization. Now, but when you look at it with your physical eyes, you can't see it. But there is a whole civilization of entities, beings, or inanimate stuff. Well, things that are living but are not alive as you were right they have intelligence that they are moving in your body your hand now there are things moving around there oh yes maybe one day go to a lab and tell them to view your hand under a microscope you see that there is a whole civilization with its own intelligence that are doing work in your body 
right so in the same way the unseen realm there is a whole civilization and we won't get into that today so your your mind is the link between the the spirit realm and the physical realm so your mind is a realm on its own that interfaces with the spirit realm and the physical realm so that means that without your mind the body may not really function optimally although the body has its own intelligence the soul too has its own intelligence but there are certain when we get into it deeply you understand it right the body the, the spirit has its own intelligence the body has its own intelligence and the soul too has its own unique intelligence right your soul is what creates your personality when you say someone is unique it is their soul it is their soul right so the, the soul or the mind of a person is the person's individuality why you meet people and say, oh, this person is different from this person, this person is different from this person, right? The same way people's faces are different is the same way their personalities are different. So the, the mind is the one, is the individuation of that particular person. What makes the individual unique? And it's the middleman, right? So your, your, your mind is the processing center of thoughts, ideas, and decisions. That means that every action that you've taken had to go through had to go through your mind as a thought, idea, or, it, or as a decision, right? It's just like it's just like the the UK embassy in Nigeria. You cannot enter the UK without an approval from there. You cannot. It doesn't matter who you are. Are you getting what I'm saying? It doesn't matter who you are. So your soul is that embassy where the spirit must tell it. I want. To communicate this into the body and say okay you want to communicate this way i know i need to process it based on this this and this right good so that's how important your mind is your mind is like an embassy without approval from your mind nothing is going to happen let's keep going right so the spirit okay let me put it this way when you say something is like something is and then when you now say something becomes and then when you say something will be, so there is is becoming and responding or will be. So your spirit is, that means that it is in its perfect state. There is no changes happening. It is, it is what it is. Your mind is the one that becomes. Your body is the one that responds. So whatever flows from your spirit enters into your mind and your mind takes of it and becomes or processes and accepts and then passes it to the body and they, then the body responds. So your spirit is the is. Your mind is the becoming. And then your body is the responding, right? Look at it. So, so without the becoming, there will be no responding. So you see how important your mind is, right? So your mind is what restrains or allows an action. That means that all the actions that you, you take comes from your mind. It comes from your mind. Yes, I know most some somebody is wondering, but what of children? Now there are there are in, there are instincts built into the mind of a human being once they are born. That those are those instincts are based on genetic codes that are instructions for life. So and it's based on flight and and fight survival mode. So there are instructions in the mind of a newborn baby that also informs their actions won't get into that because we're not in the psychology class right so your mind is what either restrains or allows an action that is why it is possible for you for example hmm, a food food by someone might present you with food you look at it look at it and say no 
it is your mind that made that decision to restrain that action. That means that your mind is what either restrains or allows action. So you see how important the mind is. Right? So now, the same way there are feelings in the body, there are feelings in the mind, and then there are feelings in the spirit. But they are, they are at different vibrational levels or different energy levels, for the, for the lack of a better word, right? But now, listen, the feelings in the body is not the same as the feelings in the mind. And it's not the same as the feelings in the spirit. I'm going to differentiate it soon. But you realize that, you know, the functions of the spiritual and body are almost the same. It's the same concept, but at different levels and different degrees of intensity, Right? So, now let me explain to you what this function is. Your spirit has functions. There are three major functions of the spirit, soul, and body. There are three major functions. Three major functions. Three major functions. Now, there are the three functions of your spirit is intuition. Number one, intuition. Number two, conscience. And number three, fellowship. I'm talking about your spirit, not the functions. I want to use that to explain the functions of the mind and the functions of the body. Because the functions of the body is also an indicator of what functions you have in your mind and what functions you have in your spirit. It's very important for us to understand this basics, right? So your spirit has three functions. Intuition, conscience, and fellowship. Now, your intuition... Okay, let, let me... Your intuition is... Is the knowledge aspect of you. Your intuition is what is responsible for knowledge, for gaining spiritual knowledge. So spiritual knowledge comes into you as intuition. You know, things that you just know, as in you just know them. You call them like instinct. Those are, that's in, especially when it's spiritual knowledge, that's intuition. So your spirit knows. Pay attention to, to this. Now your conscience, the, so the function of the intuition is knowledge. For knowledge generation, for knowledge, you get. Now, the second one, the second function of your spirit, which is conscience, right? Now, the purpose of that conscience is for judgment. So, you have knowledge, that's intuition. Two, you have judgment, that's your conscience. That's why when you do something wrong, your conscience will judge you. Or when you're about to make your decision, your conscience will tell you, no, this is right or no, this is wrong, right? So, that's the function of the conscience, that's judgment. Now, the third one, which is fellowship, which is the third function, the function of fellowship is for experience or response. So that means that the three major areas are knowledge, judgment, and experience. And also, experience also adds to knowledge. So it's like a cycle. So you see that your spirit has three, or three, let me say organs. Let me use that word, yes. Your spirit has three organs. And the function of those organs are for knowledge, judgment, and experience. Organ number one, which is intuition, is for knowledge. That is your, your organ for knowledge in your spirit. Organ number two, which is your conscience, that organ is for judgment. Organ number three is the fellowship organ, which is for experience. That is the part of you that relates with God like that, has that romance with God. You know when you are in the presence of God, fellowship with him, and you are feeling this heat in your spirit, it's that organ of fellowship that is producing that experience. <laughs> this is beautiful. Now, you come to the soul. Your soul has three major organs. And those three major organs has three major functions. The same functions of knowledge, judgment, and experience. So your soul has the mind. You can also call it mind, but for this class. So your soul has the intellect, or your mind has the intellect, the, the intellect organ, 
Number two organ is your will. And the number three organ is your emotions. Now, the number one organ, which is intellect in your mind, the function of that intellect is for knowledge, just like intuition. The function of the knowledge of the, the sorry, the function of the organ of your will organ, your organ, which is the will, is for judgment, just like the conscience. And the third organ, emotions, is for experience. So you see that it is similar with intuition, conscience, and fellowship. So intuition in the spirit is intellect in the soul. Conscience in the spirit is will in the soul. Fellowship in the spirit is emotions in the, in, in the mind. Sorry, in the mind, right? Now, your body has five, your body has five senses, but they, they can be grouped into three Three functions. Now, you have your eye and your ear, which is for what? Sight and for hearing. Your sight and hearing is your organ for knowledge. It is what you use to collect data. Your hearing and your seeing. You see that? It's the same function of what? Knowledge. The, 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 your tongue and your nose, which is for taste and smell, is for judgment. That is why you judge things by their taste or their smell. You see this? Then you have the skin, which is for, your, for feelings and for touch. And the function of it is for experience or response. So you see that there's, a, that, that there's a similarity between the functions of the organs of the spirit, soul, and body. But it happens at three different levels. So your body um, applies these organs for the material, for the material realm. Your spirit applies these organs for the spiritual realm. And then your soul also has those same organs which is used to process knowledge. So, for example, when your spirit receives knowledge in your intuition, it passes it over to your intellect to process that knowledge. Do you understand what I'm saying? And let me also say that experience feeds back into knowledge. So, now that you see that, you know, for example, you receive intuition, which is knowledge from your spirit... If it doesn't pass it over to your mind, your intellect, right? Your mind will not be able to process it and then give commands to your body to respond. So your, what happens in your spirit is instant. Your soul is a process of becoming and your body is action, is response. So you see that when you receive information, for example, from your intuition... It feeds into your intellect to process the knowledge. The same way, when you receive information from your body, like your eye and your ear, it feeds into your intellect for processing. And when it processes that information, it passes it over to the will to judge it. Remember that the purpose of the intellect is knowledge, the purpose of the will is judgment, and the purpose of the, uh, the emotions is experience. So when you receive information, either from the spirit or the body, it passes it to your intellect. Your intellect processes it, and let me say that, that that particular information requires you to make a decision. It gives you options. So when you are, you are done processing it into options, it will pass it to your will to make judgment. So once your will makes a, judge, a, a judgment, so your will has two compartments. Your will has two compartments, the yes and the no compartment. There is no middle ground. Your will either does yes or no. So when it takes that information like that's processed, and passes it as options to your will, your will will make judgments and either say yes or no. If you say no, then your emotions will flow to experience it. Sorry, if you say yes, your emotions will now flow towards that knowledge. If you say no, it will restrain. For example, let me give you a practical example. Let me give 
a practical example. Let's say a guy is chiking you now, right? A guy is toasting you. I want to be your husband. I want to do this. I'm going to buy you Dubai. I'm going to buy you everything in the world. Now, you've received that information from your body, from your eyes and your ear. And he has told you things. You have seen things. That information enters into your mind. You are processing it. Now, let me, let me say you go to pray, right? You also maybe receive information in your intuition organ. And it, it passes it to your mind. Your mind processes, processes, processes it. Then it now gives you option. Go with this guy or don't. It now passes it to your will. If you say yes, your emotions will now flow. Your emotions will now open up to that guy and accept him. And then you now begin to experience what you call love. That thing you call love. It started from knowledge. Oh. That thing you call butterflies. Uh, yes. Is from, from, from knowledge to judgment to now experience. Right? So, if you say no, you shut down. You shut down. You won't even like him. But if you now say yes, he will now become even the most handsome guy. He may not have been the most handsome, but you now start seeing that this guy is fine. No? And your, your soul will now begin to get fond of him. And you now begin to see him in another light. So all that thing happens in your mind. Without your mind, it will not work. It will not work. Right? So you see that your mind is very important. And that your spirit and your body is at the mercy of what your mind authenticates. Because we are constantly receiving knowledge, we are constantly judging, and we are constantly experiencing. And the things we experience now feed back into the knowledge aspect. For example, you now agree to date that guy and he breaks your heart. That experience now becomes knowledge for you. And that knowledge, right, now equips your mind or biases your mind in making decisions. That's why when you now hear that somebody's name is Femi, maybe in the past, Femi's have broken your heart. You'll be like, nah, you tell your will. Once you hear Femi, say no. Once you hear Femi, say no. And you see, it could be that your husband's name is Femi, but because of that experience, you have positioned your mind to sabotage your experience. So you see that if we don't understand how to transform the mind, we are going to be at the mercy of Either wrong information, wrong knowledge, or wrong experiences. Oh, this is amazing. So you see why knowledge is important. Why knowledge is so important. So, so important. Knowledge is important. So for you to transform, knowledge is important. Now, before I talk about the necessity of knowledge, let me talk about the burden of responsibility. See, because... For mental transformation to happen, we must take responsibility for our own lives. We must take responsibility. Hey, a time will come. One of the things, I, I just hope God helps me do this. One of the things I will do, we will start having sessions where I would help you articulate some of the things you call habits in your lives, where they come from, you know, and how to dismantle them. Very powerful thing. Very, very powerful thing. I will help you articulate those experiences. And in fact, there's something I'm currently working on. And that's why I encourage people to study. A time will come when, by that, God helping me, a time will come when, you see that this thing we call emotional and verbal abuse. A time will come when we would have the framework to properly articulate 
emotional and verbal abuse or put it in the same degree as physical abuse you know the reason why physical abuse is found out is because it produces certain maybe wounds or is visible but emotional and verbal abuse does not do that but i'm working on a framework that will help people see emotional and verbal abuse as bad as physical abuse and that is something that the mind can do i no, 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 i'm getting I'm, I'm entering where i'm not supposed to enter but it's going to happen very soon right and I'm saying this to help you understand that, see, if you can take responsibility for the transformation of your mind, there is, see, the limits don't exist. There is a limit, see, there is no limit to what you can achieve if you agree with your mind. Right? So, I'm, I want to talk about the burden of responsibility quickly here. Oh, my time is fast spent. Alright, so I want to talk about the burden of responsibility here why we need to take responsibility for our own mental transformation why we need to take responsibility for our own mental transformation now remember that thing paul said in first corinthians 13 verse 11 he said when i was a child i spoke like a child i thought like a child i reasoned like a child but when i became a man when i became mature i set aside the things of a child what does that mean it means that as we grow, sorry, we need to take more responsibility for our own lives. Now, I want you to bear witness with me, especially for those of you that are married and have children. Hmm? There, are, there are allowances you give to a child that you don't give to an adult. And the reason is because you expect that as that child is growing, they begin to take responsibility. Because you know, life is about responsibility, right? For example... When you give child food and they are playing with the food, yeah, you can you can ignore it because it's a child. Or let me say, for example, you have a child and maybe the child is touching, for example, the mother's breast in public. You can allow it because innocence is assumed. But let me say that's a thirty-year-old man playing with his food or maybe touching his mother's breast in public. You will suspect you will suspect that something is wrong with that child. So there are certain allowances that are given to a child that are not given to an adult. Why? Because of the burden of responsibility. There are things you tolerate in a child, but not in an adult. For example, let me say the child just throws away their food or breaks their plate. You say, sorry, now you even beg them. But it, it, a, a, an, a grown person does that, you will whip them for it. Because there are certain things you tolerate in a child that you will not tolerate in an adult. And, and why? Because of the burden of responsibility. It's expected that as people grow, they take responsibility for their lives. Now, there are things, there are things that you clapped for. <laughs> there are things that you clapped, you know, when your child does, you clap for them. <laughs> you jump up. For example, when a child starts walking, oh my God, you, you rejoice. He's walking, he's walking. But when that child grows, you don't clap for them for, for walking. Is if you don't work, what's wrong with you? Or maybe, maybe let me say you give birth to a child. That child is not sleeping. You'll be begging them to sleep. You'll be begging them to sleep because they're a child. You clap for them for sleeping. But if an adult is sleeping too much, you will beat them out of that bed. Let me say playing or let me say even eating too much. If your child is not eating, you'll be worried. In fact, when my sister gave birth, at some point she was so worried that this child is not eating food. You know all this baby food and all that. She was she, she almost she was almost in tears that like she she's not eating. Only to realize that what the baby really wanted was fufu. If you give the baby fufu, the baby will take the fufu and leave all those baby foods. 
right? So you see that you know you're happy that the child is eating it, but if you are an adult and you are eating too much, people might even curse you for eating too much. So you see, there are things you clap for a child that you won't. The same things you won't clap for an adult for it. Why? Because of the burden of responsibility. So as we grow, it is expected that we begin to take responsibility for ourselves and for others. And I'm saying this because the burden of responsibility for mental transformation is on us. And it surprises me how that people can take responsibility for their career and finances and not take responsibility for their mind. You see the way people treat their mind with so much contempt, contempt that you wonder, do you even hate your mind? Right? When I speak to people about, you know, minding what they watch, what they listen to, you know, the way they react, I'm like, I, don't you care for your own mind? And it's because of ignorance. Most people don't even understand what the mind is about, you know, and the power of it, right? So I'm saying this thing so that we can understand the, re- the need for responsibility, right? So, you know, when people don't take responsibility for their minds, you know, it shocks me, you know, it, when they don't take responsibility for their learning, you know, it shocks me, especially when it comes to the matters of the mind and the matters of love. See, matter, one, one thing I've realized about the matters of love that people just assume one um, what's the word now? One magical disposition when it comes to love. It will sort itself out. You will be surprised that love requires the greatest work on this earth. Relationships, love, marriage. <laughs> okay, that's not... I think Uncle is doing something tomorrow about that. But <laughs> matters of love, relationships. Ah, no, 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 no. Right? So, So, for example, now. I, 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 I know some of you must have, might have witnessed this. Let's say you see someone who, someone who is excited to marry, right? They're about to get married. It's good to be excited to get married. It's a beautiful thing. But you now ask the person, how many books have you read on love and marriage? Or how many mentors do you have on love and marriage? And they look at you strange. Leave all these things. And when we enter, we just figure it out. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm amazed. I'm like, you have no idea what you're entering into. Your own life as a single person. See how difficult it is to even change your mind. And you now want to marry someone else who has a different mind from you. And you are merging with another mind from another world. Different set of beliefs, experiences. And you think it's going to be roses. Listen. It is either it is either one person is... It's either two of you are pretending, one person is pretending, or just one person is dumb. But if both of you are in your right mind, there is no way you won't have certain clashes. Sometimes heated clashes that are representations of value differences or mental differences. Or maybe you are, you are different stages in your mental development. Most of you, you think... You see people that have big body, you think they are mentally developed. Now, I'm not, this is not to insult anybody. But you've, you have met people that on the external men, but when you interact with their mind, you begin to ask questions like, what's going on here? Right? So, and maybe you now tell the person you need to enroll in marriage education. And... Even if they enroll, they can't even wait to be done with it. It's, it's as if when it comes to ch- you know learning, mind matters and love matters. People just relinquish it to the stars. That's that's very bad. Now let me also use for example the story of Israel's deliverance. You know to buttress this point, you see that when God brought them out of Egypt, He took them to the wilderness before Canaan. The reason why God took them, now okay, notice this. Let me not get into the story. When God brought them out of Egypt. He did it by his own power. 
when they were in the wilderness, he sustained them by his own power. But when they were about to enter Canaan, he told them to take responsibility. So everything he did for them free between Egypt and the wilderness, he told them to do it by themselves. I won't get into the story. But what we see is that even God himself expects you to begin to take responsibility. For example, when they were now about to possess the Canaan land, God told them, pick up your swords and fight. Before it was God that was fighting them, you know, protecting them with the pillar of cloud and all those things. God was changing their dress and, you know, their shoes. But they, now, they were now required to now sew their own clothes, sew, um, they, uh, design their own shoes, build their own houses, plant their own, this thing, cook their own food. Now, when they were irresponsible, when they are still babies in the wilderness, God did all that thing for them. But when they entered the promised land, their stage of maturity, God expected them to do all those things now listen god didn't design us to live by miracles god designed us to live by systems and principles god didn't design us to live by miracles miracles are good there are stages for miracles there are times for miracles but god expected us to live our lives based on what principles and systems even before adam fell god told him walk tend the garden and keep it that means that it was god's plan to always have a management system a leadership and a management system even before the fall so you see that even God expects us to begin to take responsibility for our own lives. And you know, do you, you know why? See, when they were delivered from Egypt, they were delivered. They, they were delivered though. But when they got to the, to the wilderness, they started crying that they wanted to go back to Egypt. So you see that it's possible to be delivered, but you're not free. Because deliverance is external, but freedom is internal. And requires mental transformation. This is the reason why God may, may, for example, by his supernatural power, deliver you out of a habit. And next week you get back into it. Did God not deliver you? He did. But when he now delivered you, he expected you to take responsibility for staying free. And that requires changing your mind. Hi, let me say this. Hmm. The reason why people return to habits... And their bodily states. Um, I'm going to talk about it next week when I talk about understanding the subconscious. I'm going to talk about the reason why people return. I'm going to talk about it. But I want to, I want to paint a picture for you here. I want to show you how the mind adjusts or becomes comfortable with its conditioning, habits and pattern, and even pass it down as culture. Remember that when the children of Israel, you know, when they got into Egypt through Joseph, they stayed there for 400 years. So they were strangers in a land. Now they had gotten comfortable with the culture of the land. And they, they, they have been there for over 10 generations. That means that they've given birth to children 10 times or 10, uh, 10 generations of children. Right? So as at then, I want you to imagine for 400 years, children that were born to you know the first people that came into egypt they were already already used to egyptian culture they were already used to being comfortable in goshen being provided by for god at goshen see that thing has become a culture a conditioning they had built their 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 minds and their hopes around that egyptian land that was why, and they were passing that culture time over time over time. Fact, I'm sure some of them told their children, you see, this is your land, you know, take this land. Not knowing that God had in mind to bring them out of that land into their own land. They, in fact, some of them had crafted a purpose, a life purpose, or a financial plan based on the land that their father allotted to them that was not even originally theirs. And they didn't know that God was going to. So you see how they passed down that culture over time for 400 years. That is why when they got to 
the wilderness it was difficult because this was a conditioning for 400 years they have passed down that teaching from generation to generation that this is our land it took oppression to wake them up it took oppression to wake them up now let me now tell you i've not even gotten to i've not even okay let me let me read something for you this is a burden in my heart this is a burden in my heart let me read something for you now i'm 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 still talking about how you know how people can be delivered but not yet free how people can be delivered but not yet free and i'm saying this so that we can learn to take responsibility for our mental transformation because it's possible for god to deliver you out of a situation but if you don't transform your mind to think differently if you don't develop a canaan mindset you will remain in the wilderness with an egypt mindset and the reason why god kept them in the wilderness is to take away egypt from them he had taken them out of egypt but he needed to take away the mentality of egypt from them and give them a new mindset are you seeing this now let me let me show you something whenever i remember this thing it it breaks my heart because this is applicable as even especially to the black race it hurts my heart now there is a man called willie lynch this man i won't get into the details but i was looking at i was i was trying to understand i'm i'm trying to understand you know, I was trying to understand why black women, especially, became used to becoming baby mamas. In fact, in some cultures, it has become acceptable to be a baby mama. Some people look forward to being baby mamas. I was trying to understand the root of this thing. I'm like, this thing cannot be ordinary. Why would someone just wake up and decide, I want to be a baby mama? There are people that... Their desire is to find one rich guy, get pregnant for them, and just baby. Oh, I will dedicate the teaching for this. But let me point your mind on something. I want to show you how powerful condition, mental conditioning is, and how that it can, that mental conditioning can be passed down as, as culture over generations, even 300, 400 years. Mental conditioning. Hey. Oh my God. Okay, now there's difference. There's a difference between tradition and culture. It's not the same thing. Maybe one of these days I'll be able to differentiate it for you, but it's not the same thing. But now look at, I was looking at, because I'm very passionate about the family system. I'm very passionate about marriage. I'm very passionate about it. So I was looking at why that baby mama syndrome? Why, why is it that fatherhood is being attacked all over the world? Why? Even in African societies now, fatherhood is being attacked. i've been looking at it and then I, I i stumbled upon a finding now this is one this is this is not the only stream this is one of the streams especially when you go to uh, african americans in other nations you would see this common to them but at home here it's very difficult for you to find families that accept that baby mama syndrome it's difficult but for our brothers abroad who were born there grew up there you see a little bit of difference and the reason why I believe that um, there is a, a, a direct attack on the African family system because it is the last frontier. The hope for families and marriages is in Africa. The fact that we've sustained that idea of a unified family system because the African society is built on the family unit. And that is currently under attack. If In case you don't know, 
Let me now tell you. And that attack didn't start today. As a matter of fact, it started from Eden. But the individuation of that particular attack in African societies is even more profound in the last 300 and something years. Now look at this. There's this guy called Willie Lynch. You know that, you know, the period of uh, transatlantic slave trade and things like that, you know, moving Africans from here to there and all those things that I won't get into that. Now, one of the things they realized about these African people was that they were strong, they were stubborn, they were restless. And because of the way the African societies arranged in those days, you realize that in most African societies, you know, they, they, they honor the concept of fatherhood. That means that the father of every family is every family is represented by their father in the city council so for example when they want to make a decision for a particular community every father is represented in that council and so every father is a chief in his own home and when they come to the council of chiefs they make decisions to protect their community so the men you know were poised to protect their communities, to provide a safe environment for their women and their children to thrive. Do you understand? It was their responsibility to become defenders, protectors, and providers. Do you understand? They provided both spiritual leadership and family leadership. That is another concept I'm developing, family leadership. We're going to talk about it, you know, one of these days. So you see that, you know, the African families believed in family leadership. So when they were taken as slaves, some of them still maintained that concept of family leadership. And so these white people now found it difficult, you know, to break the slaves because they, they realized that once one of the, the, as they called them, Negroes were restless, the others were rebel. So there was rebellion in the ranks because their chief, for example, or the one who be becomes the chief man there, you know, who is a role model to other men there, you know, models resistance and everybody starts to resist. So this guy called Willie Lynch came up with an intelligent approach. He actually wrote a letter. I'm going to read for you an aspect of that letter to show you how powerful mental conditioning is and to show you how that thing has trickled down to you today. Because when you successfully condition the mind of one man, Trust me, in the next 10 generations, that conditioning becomes a family pattern. Some of the things we call generational curses or family patterns started from what? One person. Now, I won't, but let, let me, let me um, narrow it down to that baby mama thing. I want to show you, you know, how that baby mama thing started. One of the streams where it started from and why it looks normal today after many years. Now, look at what Willie Lynch said. Please follow me here. He was talking about how to break a Negro and how to disem, disem, dis, destroy the family system in order to bring com, to 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 inspire compliance among slaves because they realized that their strength was the family system. So they needed to break that family order. See what they did. Now, see part of what Willie Lynch said. Okay, now. Okay, let me, let me describe to you the process and then I will read a portion of it for you. This is what Willie Lynch suggested. He said, if you want to break a slave, look for the most restless, sorry, look for the most restless slave or their chief. The one that everybody looks up to and is usually a male. Beat him. In fact, in, in, in one place he said, Put the fear of God in him, beat him. If he is resistant, this is what you will do to him. 
pour tar on his body. You know, tar. Tar is flammable. Cold tar, tar, right? Smear him with tar. Put feathers on his body. Tie one side of his he tie one side of his body to a horse facing this dire facing one direction. Tie the other side of the body to a horse facing the other direction, right? Set him on fire, beat the horses, and let the horses run in opposite directions and tear him apart and do it in front of every other Negro male and every other woman and child. The reason you need to do this is to put the fear of God in them so that the ones that are remaining will not, will not resist when they are told to do something. Now, let me read this for you. He said, Therefore, we shall go deeper into this area of the subject matter concerning what we have produced here in this process of, in this breaking process of the female nigger. Now, part of the reason why they did this, why they, they, they destroyed the male in front of the female is to put fear, is to put fear in the female to break the female they realized that if they couldn't break the male they can't break the female because the the female was inspired by the strength of the male so in order to break the female break the male first and then the female will now get into fear now look at this he said we have he said we have reversed the relationship in her natural uncivilized state she would have a strong dependency on the uncivilized nigger male that's the one that refused to yield Naturally, she has a strong dependence on the nigger male and she would have a limited protective tendency towards her independent male offspring and would raise the male offsprings to be dependent like her. Nature had provided for this type of balance. So he said, we reversed nature by burning and pulling a civilized nigger apart and bull-whipping the other to the point of death all in her presence. By her being left alone, unprotected with the male image destroyed the ordeal caused her to move from her psychological dependent state to a frozen independent state in this frozen psychologically sorry in this frozen psychological state of independence she will raise her male as the female and the female as the male and because she's afraid of the young male being resistant like their father or the males in their community, she will now psychologically train him to be mentally weak and dependent, but physically strong. But she has become psychologically independent. She will train her female offsprings to be psychologically independent and mentally strong. So what have you got at the end of the day? You've got the nigger woman out in front and the nigger man behind and scared. This is a perfect situation of sound sleep and economic prosperity. Can you imagine that? See, this thing you are seeing as it were independent feminists. <clears throat> let me tell you. Equality, especially if I know in, in the Igbo culture, equality between male and female has always been even before colonial masters came. But you see, there is a natural or there is a natural divine role that God gave man and woman, especially in the family system. God designed a male to be in front, protecting, providing, guiding. But now you see the roles reversed. Is the women doing it. It didn't start today. It started from what? A plot. 
to what to civilize as, as they were so they called those rebellious ones they call them uncivilized nigger male the ones that have been broken they call them civilized nigger male now so this this is now what happened in those days because women were now afraid of losing their husbands with their emotional with their ability to influence their husbands emotionally they they persuade them not to be feisty not to be protective not to be this and they now advise them to now take the back seat so the mothers now train their daughters to take the front seat and and train their male to take the back seat so this is now what happened and part of the things that those slave masters did was that you know they were trying to cut down um um, um sexual relations between you know the black male and the black female so what they did was that for example they now begin to take away the, the physically take away the 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 male from from the female and separate them so that the, those white men will now go in and sleep with the females and now begin to do crossbreeding so what now happened so what now happened so what now happened was that when a man now impregnates his wife they get scared they're like oh we're about to give birth to each other so what they will now do is they, they will now run away from that plantation some of them will escape or is or so that that their child will not be in danger so now those black men now adopted a strategy of leaving getting the female pregnant and leaving them alone so that they will be safe they now did their relationship from a distance without commitment without the commitment of marriage so most of them now even started getting scared getting married though some of them got married by jumping the broom but some of them started getting scared of getting married they would rather get pregnant distance just in case they die do you understand so women now got used to being baby mamas outside of a committed relationship now this is just one of the applications and one of the streams that foiled that so you see how this conditioning from 1712 is even applicable today some of the things we call culture cool trend are conditionings designed to subjugate a set of people so you see that if we do not and some of these things have been institutionalized. Even in some of those countries, see, fatherhood is non-existent. The state or the government have become the father and the mother. So, so uh, sorry, have become the father. And so the mothers and the children have more protection from the state than men. The father, the mothers and the children have more protection than the male. So the male image, the fatherhood image was destroyed. Fathers are now absent. The day I'm going to talk about this fatherhood thing. God give me the time and the grace to talk about it. But let me not get too deep into it so I don't swear in what I'm, I'm, I'm talking about here. Listen, mental conditioning can last for a thousand years. If you don't take, and I'm still talking about the burden of responsibility. If we do not take responsibility to consciously begin to probe into our lives, to find out those things. Yes, the African man was weakened. And as we go every day, you see how real that is. The African man has been weakened. So when an African man is doing his job of being protective, you know, providing, they call it toxic masculinity. That's another stream toxic masculinity so true masculinity masculinity has now become toxic masculinity and then emasculated men now become the 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 accepted 
masculinity it's very dangerous stuff i don't want to get into it i my heart is burning already but i'm talking about the burden of responsibility to show you that if we do not take responsibility for our minds we will be as we are till we die and we pass we will pass it down to our children that is why i made the vow i said god's word will be my standard i'm not see i'm not i'm not crazy about my personal opinion i'm not I, 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 I gave that up many years ago when I realized that even my own opinion can sabotage me. It can sabotage my own destiny. I gave it up and embraced. So whatever God says is true, is true for me. And that is what I yielded my life to. So one of the ways to even begin your transformation process is to know that the responsibility for change is on you. I might teach you everything I want to teach you, but if you don't take responsibility for yourself, nothing will happen. Do you know that some of the curriculum with which we train our children, do you know, let me even tell you, do you know that some of the curriculum used to train, let me give an example, the royal family, I'm sure many of you know this, the curriculum used to, curriculum used to train the royal family in the UK is not the same curriculum from every other child. I hope you know this. I hope some of you know this, that what they teach them is not what they teach every other child. And I think they asked, is it Prince Charles? They asked him if he whips his, if he floods his children. He said yes. They asked him why. He said because he, they are going to rule the peasants. So you, you can't whip your child. They will call police for you. But they, royalty, they discipline their children because, well, some of them don't. But the curriculum with which they are taught is different from yours. At a very young age, they are, they are already teaching them wealth mindsets royalty mindset nobility mindset how to conduct yourself and they will leave you to be showing your body in public but then you can't find them show me one ro show me one royal person who flaunts their body anyhow but you 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 want to be cool you you show your so so you see the difference they will continue to refer to you as peasants because the way they conduct themselves in royalty is not the same way the peasants. So the peasants can do whatever they want as long as they are making money from that economy is fine. But the royalty that is going to succeed the rule, they are trained differently. They are trained to speak differently. They are trained to act different. They are trained to dress differently. You can almost spot royalty from how they dress. And every other person, you don't open everybody just because you want to be good. That's, well, that's good. I mean, there are, there are certain contexts with Within which you can flex whatever you want to do but see in a place where you are representing yourself and your family in public is intentional for you to conduct yourself in a setting let me not let me not go into this Let, let's move on All right so so what's the necessity of knowledge without knowledge we cannot transform without knowledge we cannot transform the key to freedom and i learned this from miles muro said the key to freedom is knowledge the key to knowledge is truth and the key to truth is in the manufacturer. That means that for you to know truth, you need to go back to the source of truth. And that the, en the greatest e enemy of man is ignorance. Ignorance. The devil is not responsible for everything that happens in your life. Ignorance is. The Bible says in Hosea 4, 6, my people perish because of lack of knowledge. And God said, because you rejected knowledge, I will reject you and I will, re and I will ignore your children. So we see that when you cultivate the habit of ignoring knowledge, even your children suffer for it. 
right and how do you know things if you don't learn if you don't you know listen to teachings if you don't read books right so and ignorance is a decision because there's knowledge everywhere there's knowledge in that book you're ignoring there's knowledge in that teaching you're ignoring even if it's one thing you learn you can learn so don't blame it on witchcraft there is something that you can always learn there is something that you can always learn so that is why you know so opinion let me not get into this there's no time let me not get into this there's no time would 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 have a session next week right so quickly as i round up in 15 minutes as i round up we'll continue next week oh there's so much we'll continue next week so what is why what is mental transformation and why is mental transformation now i'm i'm going to run through it very very fast so i I can see if i can be done in 15 minutes and then i'll now start from what and why is mental transformation from next week and then i'll advance the conversation so what and why is mental transformation the bible says in Romans 12 1 to see do not be conformed to the to the patterns of this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind and that is the only time you'll be able to prove what is that good perfect will of god that means that you need mental transformation to even prove what is that good perfect you know and acceptable for your own life that means without mental transformation, you are stuck. If your mind is not transformed, if it's not renewed, you won't be able to maximize your potential on this earth. So what is mental transformation? Quickly, mental transformation is your mind catching up with the truth. Your mind catching up with the knowledge of the truth. Yes, catching up with it. Because you can, you've heard what I said, but your, your mind has not really gotten it. You, there is a system of getting your mind to actually... You know that that moment when you Ooh, am I still on? Am I still on? Am I still on? Am I still on? All right. It's buffering. Okay. So I'll just continue because uh the, of course the recording will be available. The recording will be available. Alright, so guys, should I go ahead? I heard that it's buffering. Alright, so I'll, I'll just go ahead, you know, and I think the recording will be available, right? So, can you guys still hear me? Can anyone hear me? Can anyone hear me? Can anyone hear me? Oh. <laughs> Alright, so I'm going to do a little pause and i'll just be talking just to confirm that this is it's still part of the teaching it's a part of the teaching you know it's a part of the teaching um i just want to confirm if wow it's off air now Hmm. All Hmm. all right so So can 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 everyone hear me now? Can anyone hear me? Can anyone hear me? Am I clear? Sorry for the break in transmission. Sorry for the break in transmission. Would we'll, we'll round up in in a minute. Thank you, Jesus.
Can anyone hear me? Please let me know. Please let me know. Please let me know so I just continue. Mm. All right, so I'll just continue. So what I was talking about, what and why is mental transformation? I'll see what I can do in, in 11 minutes. I'll just run through it. Maybe we'll start from it next week. What and why is mental transformation? Maybe next week I'll explain further. So mental transformation is your mind catching up with the truth. So for example, you might listen to me, but you're not, you might hear everything I've said, but you've not really heard it. You've not really listened. You've not really heard it. It takes time for your mind to catch up with the truth that you've heard. Mental transformation is your mind weaving the truth into productive patterns and habits, behaviors that will profit your life in line with your purpose. That means that as you hear that knowledge, mental transformation happens when you take that knowledge and weave it into productive habits in your life that will better your life. Right? That's mental transformation. Mental transformation is right process of identifying limiting beliefs in your mind in form of ideas, habits, attitudes, and conquering them by employing a superior system of transformation. I'm rushing through it. I would start next week and I will explain, right? Mental transformation is retelling yourself the stories of the truth of your purpose and what your life ought to be. So because there are so many stories you've heard about you which are false. Right, so mental transformation is retelling yourself those stories based on your purpose, based on the truth. Remember that your body submits to your mind, so your body will act in accordance with the stories you have believed over time. If you believe that you are not beautiful, you might meet the most beautiful lady in the room, but you would act as though you are not beautiful. You'll be ashamed of your body. I've seen women like that, very beautiful externally, but they they don't even believe that they are beautiful. I'm like Jesus Christ, can you see yourself? And that is as a result of a story that has been told them over the years i met a lady many years ago she she told me something she said that you know the the university she attended she had a roommate she had a roommate every, she said every morning every morning her roommates you know which was her bunk mate the, her bunk was on top the roommate's bunk was on top the roommates will come down from the bunk and look at her and tell her you are ugly every day she said well, for the period she was in that room with her, she said every day the lady would come down, look at her and say, you are ugly. She never believed. When I met her, I'm like, ah, can you see yourself? It took close to three years of constantly telling her, you are fine. For her to actually start seeing herself. See, don't joke with the jokes that people make about you. Don't let anybody joke about your body, your mind or anything. Don't even allow it. Because those jokes begin to now enter and you begin to believe it. See, once somebody begins to tell you something repeatedly, it has a way of possessing your mind. I'm telling you, that is why I'm very, I'm very concerned about conversations people entered into. There are many things I'm not concerned about, but you see conversation. I want to know the kind of conversation, especially someone I'm in, I'm, in, I'm, an, I'm in an intimate relationship with. I want to know the manner of conversations you're having. It's not because I want to pray. I want to know what is entering your mind. And let me say this to men. If you're married here, listen, your, f- your first priority assignment to your wife is to protect her mind. That was the mistake Adam made. You are not to just protect her in terms of physical security or financial or emotional or sexual. You are to protect her mentally. That means you are responsible for making sure that the seeds that are being planted in her mind are the right seeds. It is your job as a husband. 
you are a farmer and you should make sure that your wife sustains the right seed in her mind she may reject it at first keep doing what you're doing because you know there is a vision god has given you concerning that family you must plant that seed in her mind oh the day i will talk about seeds do you know that there are certain marriages struggling today because of the seeds that previous men planted in the mind of that woman that the man is reaping the harvest for the man is reaping the harvest for the seeds other men planted in her in her mind and you know he's saying that's how she is that's not how she is that's not how she is for god's sake she is what you plant in her and she will give you good measure pressed down shaking together so i'm very con i'm very particular about seeds harvest and conversations because i know how it works so i'm particular i want to know what are you listening to what are you hearing what how do you think what has fed you i want to know and it's your responsibility as men to know this the way you go about it matters too that's another talk for another day right but it is your responsibility to protect the mind of your woman from every nonsense seed because some of the things you're even suffering now somebody else planted it it is not you and it takes surgical therapy to differentiate those things i've had instances where i had to differentiate for them this one you are doing is from the previous ex this one is from is, is from him it, it takes whew. okay let's go on please mind the stories you tell yourself and mind the stories you allow people to tell you about you mind the jokes they tell about you please don't allow derogatory things around you don't allow it they will say you are sensitive tell them yes i am i'm sensitive to my destiny please thank you yeah, don't let people make jokes about you right so mental transformation is the transformation of attitudes through knowledge and communication strategies like i said i'll start from this side again next week but because of time Push. so mental transformation is letting your your reality meet up with your capacity letting your life meet up with your potential mental transformation is the changing of your inner disposition right so why mental transformation because without your mind the body can do nothing two because the limits are in the mind number three because your mind decides how your life turns out number three number four as a man thinketh, that means that your life prints out what is in your mind pictures in your mind would eventually result in you know your result in your in your outcomes number number five why is mental transformation important because the mind is the battleground whatever battle you lose in your mind will be lost in real life number six why mental transformation because your mind is a territory it is a real estate if it is seized by strange ideas you will be grounded why is mental transformation important because imagination is the function of your mind the wrong imagination will fill your life with sorrows fears are often a product of what imaginations why is mental transformation important we see the, the story in genesis 11 of how that god told us that nothing that they imagined in their mind will be withheld from them that means that what you build out of your life is as a result of what you build into your mind why mental transformation because the earth responds to mind and imaginations if your mind is not renewed or transformed you will only experience depressing outcomes why mental transformation i'm going to talk about scenario planning next week how the devil plays mind games to induce action and let you think it was it was it was it was it was you all along 
I will talk about scenario planning and how the devil plays tricks on the mind, right? So mental transformation helps you acquire discernment so that you can know when something is wrong on the horizon, right? Because most errors we get into is usually a symptom of a failed or unfunctional discernment system, right? Because of time, because of time, I won't be able to talk about how to transform your mind part one. So I'll, I'll start from why and what is mental transformation next week. Then talk about how to transform your mind part one and part two. And then also talk about understanding your subconscious mind. So I'm going to, to lump in those four courses into one. So it will be a masterclass, a one hour, 30 minutes masterclass, right? So there are five things here. Oof, I can't get into it, right? So we're going to now do the, the 10 things, how to transform your mind next week. Right. So I hope you've been you've been energized. I hope you've been instructed. I hope you've been you've learned something. Right. So let me know in the group. Please summarize the things you've learned. The reason why I ask for summaries like this is so that those who did not attend can get snippets of it and they can be encouraged to also go back and listen. So please let me know in the group. You know, just summarize what you've learned. You know, put it on the group there, and then I'm going to try and process this thing and then upload. You know, to the Insta, to to my Spotify channel and to you know our Mixer channel, right? So. Thank you guys very much. See, and see, let me tell you something. Some of the things we are, we are doing here are just master classes. A time will come when we would have, you know, in-depth learning sessions. Those times are coming. I'm just waiting for the right time. And there is a lot of value in this community for you. There is a lot of value, right? In fact, I've already said that the next Conquering Degree session, some of you in this Conquering Degree set will be facilitators in the next one. In fact, I want to limit... The number of times I teach, maybe a few times, beginning and end, and then every most of you that have been consistent with us will become faculty. Remember, I said that we are building a social enterprise and it's the growth circle, right? So we are integrating all our learning processes, and some of you become faculty members, ambassadors, you know, project managers, and things that we are doing. We want to reach the world with the truth. We want to reach the world with the truth. There is so much that we can learn. And if we learn the truth, we can be able to transform our lives, transform our society, and make God proud, make ourselves proud, right? So be part of this community. Keep being, participate. You know, I just wonder, some of you, some of you, I just wonder, like, and the structure will be posted on the group. You will view it, just be looking at it. I don't, I don't understand, but, but it's well. Like I said, the culture... We want a responsive culture in the growth community because we are bringing other people into this community and we don't want them to meet people who take things for granted. I appreciate your time. I know most of you are busy and things like that, but we find time around. That's why for most of you that were about to join this community, I, I, I give a disclaimer. If they will not be serious, please don't bring them in. I would rather have three serious people than have 60, you know, or, or 60 people who are fluctuating right there's something it does to you especially when you're teaching when you know that three people are committed to what you're doing and they're committed to practicing it you know it, it it encourages you right so let's participate i know you know time may not always be favorable that's why you know we post it so that you can go listen back but some of these things you cannot you cannot learn it in one day some of you need to listen to this in like 10 times before you actually get the message right so thank you guys very much for being part of this i celebrate you i'm looking forward to your summaries in the group and then we will meet next week it's going to be a wonderful time right thank you guys i celebrate everything and as always i'm rooting for you see you next week bye
Let me entertain you for like four minutes and then I'll be out of your way. Whew. Thank you, Jesus. Whew. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Drop your summaries on the group, please. Others are depending on it. Thank you very much.